One of my <laughs> colleagues came back from maternity leave today and had 78,000 unread oh. emails. <laughs> Such bad worst. times. This is City AM Unregulated. I'm Emma Hazlitt. I think if you leave it switched on, you're going to be disturbed all day long. This week, how not to suck at emails. The first thing I'll do is be funny if I... I can't be funny because it's a certain client. I'll be clever, and if I can't be clever, I'll keep it short. You've never, you've never started a conversation with someone like, "Do you have this problem?" in that infomercial <laughs> voice. It's like I don't know why everyone decides when they come to write an email. Right, I'm going to be completely different now. Welcome to Unregulated, City AM's professional development podcast. On this show, we chat entrepreneurial stories, how to be better at your job and how to take the next step in your career. As we send 269 billion of them a day, on this show, we're joined by two different kinds of email experts. Martin Perry will be helping us tame our inbox and John Bookham will help us absolutely nail the art of cold call emails. So Martin, you know, let's start with you. Because you you run courses on dealing with emails better. I mean, what what do you what are your teachings? There's two parts really to to what I teach people. It's their approach and how they think about emails, their whole attitude towards email, um, and really changing some mindsets when they're actually in their inbox and dealing with emails. And that's the first part. And the second part is actually how people use the software itself, so okay. be it Outlook or Gmail. So do you have different courses for different? software insofar as yeah the so, yeah the software and how they actually use it how they set it up because part of taming your inbox is very specific in how we set up the email software so come on then guys name and shame which which ones do you use what do you use outlook oh, outlook. Yeah, oh, oh really God, yes oh yes it's the oh, best yeah. uh, google for business gmail yeah same here. gmail yeah so martin one of your claims is spend an hour less doing email each day mm. do you i mean do we really spend enough time doing it so that you can spend an hour less? Um, oh, we spend more than enough time. Oh, gosh. I, I, there's, there was a survey came out in January, and uh, I nearly fell off my chair when I read it. Apparently, the average email user um, checks email 34 times an hour. Oh, my God. Um, and that's not the mobile devices and tablets. If you add those into the equation, you're looking at about 74, 75 times now. We spend more than enough time in our inbox. If you leave your email switched on all the time, this is a big thing. If you leave it switched on, you, you, you're going to be disturbed all day long. Even, you know, that sort of inquisitive nature popping in there to have a look, see what's happened, or even those little reminders popping up in the bottom of your screen. If 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 you've got those going on all the time, then you're constantly being disturbed. And five minutes, I've read 10 minutes, I've read 20 minutes. Yeah, if you're working on a project, yeah, you get disturbed. Yeah, 10 minutes at least to get him back into that same train of thought you had before you got disturbed by that email. So give us your kind of top three tips for dealing with the onslaught. The, fir the first thing is, um, is, as we just said, switch it off. You okay. don't have to have it on all day long. The second one is switch those alerts off that pop up in the bottom right-hand corner. And then the other That's one, this is an interesting one, is 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 don't, you know, you, you've just mentioned it about coming back from holiday and, and a few hundred or a few thousand emails in your inbox. Yeah. And a lot of people think, oh, I've got 200 emails to do. You haven't. You have not got 200. You've got to find those 20, 30 emails that you actually need to do something with. And you've got to find them as quick as you can. 
So don't think about having to do emails or think about the word process. You've got to process emails so you can find those 20, 30 that you actually need to do something with. And and what about filters? Do you find those help or hinder? Because sometimes they just hide my emails from me. Hinder. Oh, hinder. (laughs) Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I said, Team Inbox is about how you actually use the software and it's not using filters and, and things like that. There's, it's a very, very simple way of setting up your software. Um, so, so one of the key things is actually one thing you need to do all the time is find emails. And, and you, know, you can find emails so, so quickly without going anywhere near filtering at all. Uh, do you ever just come in and press delete all? I've succumbed to that temptation. No. <laughs> <laughs> never, never. And people get very worried that I'm just going to go in and say, delete everything. And it's, it's, No, you just keep what you've always kept. You know, most people, they would keep 90% of the emails, 10% you're deleting. Um, no, there's never a temptation to do that. <laughs> uh, I just... I've, Every six months, I just go through my emails and delete as many as I possibly can. That's how I control my inbox. I don't know if that's good practice. I'd never encourage people to do that. I mean, the thing about people like Microsoft and and Google, they want you to keep emails. They want you to store as information because they're giving us so much storage space these days that you don't really have to do it. Um, So, no, keep them. You never know. You might need to find that one email that you got 12, 18 months ago. That one PR who sent me a press release about a dog on Tower Bridge or something. A dog, not a cat. <laughs> oh yeah, and then there's cat. There's what we got a good one the other day about napper sizing, which is um, an exercise class for sleeping, which I've now publicised. So there you go. Um, and what about when you're going on holiday? And should you really set an out of office? And do people really expect emails to be read? Would it be better just to say, "Sorry, I'm not going to read this"? Do you know what that that is? Part individual, part company you know if you're disciplined enough to switch the out of office on and then never go anywhere near your emails while you're on holiday then fantastic but i think there's an expectation from a lot of companies that you are still in touch even when you're sitting on the beach sipping that sangria um so i think it's twofold i think one thing i encourage a lot of people to do is is change the setting on their mobile devices so they only they basically get emails on their phone when they want them so it's not so pushed. they're not they're not pushed there yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that has a big, that makes a big difference. Just people do it at the end of the day and then catch up then. But yeah, switch the out of office on and stick to it. John, I'm segueing over to you now. Sure. Um, when you're doing an out of office, I, I always used to put, if, you know, if you desperately need us, please contact my colleague and then name them. And that would just result in my colleague just being spammed with stuff that wasn't, was actually not relevant to me or her. So I started to get a bit rude and I put, if there is an asteroid hurtling towards the Earth and only City AM Digital can deal with that, please contact my colleague. Otherwise, I'll deal with it when I return. Yeah. Is it okay to be kind of a bit jokey definitely, in the office? Definitely. You, can, you, should write, you should write like a person. Uh, people, it will be more enjoyable for the person reading it. And uh, with an example like that, they'll likely not contact your colleague unless it's, uh, it's urgent. Uh, my colleague actually, one of my colleagues uh, was in a band and had the fav- my favourite out of office uh, reply ever, which was, I am currently out of the office on tour, which, which I thought was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that is brilliant. Um, so, so tell us about, you know, what you do. You've developed a great formula for sending cold emails, which yeah. is like cold calls, but emails. Yeah, it's basically because I never wanted to cold call because I don't have a Fair. thick enough skin. It's not that I had a massive period of trial and error 
I was desperate for sales one one night. Uh, the word of mouth stuff had dried up. I got drunk and I wrote the most absurd email ever. I thought, what can I write that is the complete opposite of what everyone else is sending? I wrote this absurd email, started sending it to very senior marketing directors at big brands and then woke up to lots of complimentary emails saying this is the best one I've ever received and sent, kept sending it and kept getting more meetings. And I sort of have had to look why it's worked and, and now I understand. So I've actually got an example of a great response that you've had here because you put them all on your Instagram account, didn't you? Oh, yeah, I did okay. recently. Just started doing that recently. It's great. So yeah. we've got one here and it says, John, I like your email. I've got to be frank right from the get-go. I don't have any budget to use an agency. I don't want to give you any work. I don't want to follow up. But I get loads of emails every day from companies pushing their wares. It's pretty frustrating reading when replying politely to all of these emails. So I thought I'd drop you a line to say that you made me laugh, genuinely laugh out loud. You write brilliantly, in brackets, unlike me. You're engaging and fun and you just know how to take people on a journey and tell a story. That's like the ultimate compliment from any potential client. That's not the best one. There's loads better than that, to be honest with you. <laughs> the ones that led to meetings were the best. I have one yeah, actually on my, uh, uh, on my Facebook group that I started that's, that, that's basically in my, in my... I receive millions of these every day and I have never replied to one until now. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's basically I ignored all of the lessons of... I actually looked this up the other day. I looked up email etiquette lessons. Uh -huh. And there's some of them that are obvious, but most of them I've just completely ignored. Such as? Uh, using formalities like dear. Yeah. Uh, I use greetings because who the hell says that anymore? Um, <laughs> I use humour. So some humour you can't get away with, but there's some things you can. So I used to attach completely ridiculous pictures to my emails. And uh, for no reason, no explanation, and I used to put a line, uh, I have attached a picture of a ferret that has been dressed up. According to the internet, his name is Colin. I trust this will charm you into submission. <laughs> <laughs> I await your profanity-filled response. And because I've put that, no one obviously replies with anything angry. And uh, if you can make someone smile or make them laugh, they're going to hit reply. You've given someone a, a good feeling. And uh, everyone tries to persuade with all of this jargon and uh, complex images and all of this stuff. When really, if you can make someone make someone's boring day better, they're going to click reply and then you can get a meeting with them. Hey, this week I wanted to tell you about my new favourite podcast, Blow Up the Blueprint, which has been featured alongside us in the We Mean Business section on iTunes. It's with UK entrepreneur Joe Gifford and talks about how creative thinking in business is more essential now than ever before. Joe chats about how it gives you an edge in the market, why it makes you stand out, and just like us, she regularly focuses on small business, entrepreneurs, and women in business. Check it out in the usual places, iTunes and beyond, and head to joegifford.co. Is it about brevity is it about charm what gets people engaged i've i've got a rule uh, personally which is um uh, the first thing i'll do is be funny if i i can't be funny because it's a certain client i'll be clever and if i can't be clever i'll keep it short uh, that's generally my rule so what you're looking for is a reaction either a a smile or a uh, laugh or i've laughed out loud and they've shown it around the office or they've gone ah, that's clever or that guy's different so at a certain point being distinct is a huge advantage. And uh, presidents have been elected by, from that one very rule. How do you decide your tone? Do you use the same tone for every person? or If I'm trying to get sales meetings or trying to get PR coverage or get on a podcast or, or that kind of stuff, for me, I always use the same tone. Uh, if I'm doing stuff for clients, 
I can't always be as absurd and and uh, ridiculous as as I uh, as myself. But my rule is uh, write like you speak, and uh, that's probably the best rule that I've heard. You've never you've never started a, a conversation with someone like, do you have this problem in that infomercial <laughs> voice? It's like I don't know why everyone decides when they come to write an email. Right, I'm going to be completely different now. <laughs> I used to have an editor who always said, when you're writing a story, just do it as if you're explaining it to your mates down the pub. Exactly. We forget where the, the, the biggest objection I get when anyone say, everyone always says when I tell them this is, oh, but that won't work on CEOs. That won't work on luxury brands. That won't work on busy journalists. That won't work on... And every single time, I'm, no, no, it won't work on all of them, but there isn't a type of person it doesn't work on. You don't become like, oh, I'm a CEO now. I, I'm not going to like things that are funny anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be very serious all the time. Yeah. Um, so what about, you know, obviously having a sense of humour is great. Yeah. What, what about grammar mistakes or spelling mistakes? Are those as bad as everyone says? Uh, I would, uh, well, languages always change, but I always like to uh, have all of that stuff sorted out. And if you've got Grammarly or a Chrome extension like that installed, that'll do it for you. Because if it, people see that it is... Uh, it's another thing that it'll get a reaction out of them, but not a good one. So if you try it, all of your humour, it might it might detract from it um, because you, they still want to meet someone professional. And what about email subjects? You know, how do you catch people's eye? I always take advantage of the fact that uh, I'm a stranger. Like if they've never seen my name before, I don't try and like hide around it. Like the worst possible thing you can do is the re meeting, oh. and it's like uh, like what what it's like, like a trick. like they've got and like they're going to open that and go. Oh, I must have forgotten I booked a meeting with this person I've never heard of. <laughs> they, they're immediately going to be annoyed even if they open the email. So I always take advantage, and in a way, mine's a bit of a trick. But I, the, the the line I've often used, and I'll just give it away, is apologies in advance. Because from a stranger, that is a weird thing. Why is this person I've never heard of apologising to me? But also, it's not really a lie because I'm apologising to them for sending them a cold email. So it's kind of self-referential there. I feel like you might be an evil genius. Uh, I use it for good. <laughs> and okay. to make money. <laughs> so I just, I kind of want to just fire some awkward email scenarios at both of you okay. now, because there's, you know, there's, it's a minefield emailing people. So firstly, checking emails in meetings. Martin, yay or nay? No, you, and the reason I say that is that. You're then trying. You're just trying to multitask. We can't multitask. It's it's a myth. So there's no way you can read the email and do whatever you have to do with it and concentrate on what's being said in the meeting. So absolute no. Yeah, I noticed someone doing it to me one time, and and after that, I never did it again myself. I was like, oh, this person's just not interested in what I have to say at all. So I probably may have done it before, but as soon as I saw that, I was like, yeah, I'm not doing that again. It does feel rude. Yeah. I do sometimes do it. I was tempted to do it then when you brought it up. <laughs> just whip your phone out. <laughs> Um, what about, so how do you, again, Martin, how do you greet people in emails? That, that's an interesting one because um, if, if you don't know them, if you don't know them, if you're sending it for the first time, um, I'd use either dear or hi. Okay. But I think if, you, if you're internal, if you're in a large organisation and you know these people, it goes back to, to, to what John said about write like a person. Once you know these people, why are you signing emails with hi and dear? Just Just get to the point. And you say greetings. Uh, I do that just because my rule is uh, differentiation in as many different ways as possible. So um, 
uh, that's what I set out to do, is, is write in a completely different way. And, and I think the word greetings is funny, and I think wishing people to have a splendid day is funny. And uh, <laughs> that's my objective. So I, 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 mine's a little different. And what about if somebody sends you an email and, you know, John, you must have to deal with this, people who just don't reply, is it ever OK to just not reply? Uh, yeah, I'm, most people don't reply to me, to be honest, when, because really they're sad. busy people. But uh, I often send a follow-up the week later. and yeah. But, yeah, of course it's fine, too. Well, in, my, in, the, in, in, in what I do, obviously, I send cold emails, so I can't expect everyone to reply. How often is it OK to follow up? There's rules about this that, that people have set, but I usually send a follow-up a week later and then another week later and then another week later. And you can automate it, but after a while I kind of get the picture and... <laughs> write sad poetry about the deal we never did. <laughs> what about you, Martin? Yeah, I, I, I suppose I got the rule of follow up about six or seven times and then, yeah, I'm, I'm getting the message after that. I get, I'll get either a phone call saying, did you get my email? Or a phone call saying, can I send you an email? To which I say, it's a free country. Surely the phone call is more annoying than the email. I mean, I would say by this point, equally irritating. Yeah. Or I'll get an, like five or six follow-ups like yeah. from an hour after it's been sent. You can do a uh, oh god, that's awful. You can do. I like the fun. You can be fun with your follow up as well, though. I always give them. Uh, can you reply with? Uh, I don't. I haven't got a reply from you, so it's obviously one of these three things. And then the first two are sensible, and the third one's something like you've taken. You must have taken Elon Musk's uh, space uh, travel uh, ticket or something like <laughs> something ridiculous like that. That's so. If you can make someone laugh even when you're following up, you try and make it an enjoyable experience for them rather than can I. Just bland and boring. Yeah. yeah, because sometimes I feel like there's a fine line between being persistent and being a spammer. Yeah, exactly. Okay, um, next awkward email scenario. Sign off, Martin. Are you a kind regards man? No, it's it, a lot of people, it's there in the signature. I don't even think they've remembered putting it there. So every all their emails end in kind regards. But I could be a thanks, I could be a... Never really kind regards. Thanks. See you later. Or just Martin. Uh, with mine, it's different. Well, for cold email, I end it with uh, I await your profanity-filled response. Uh, have a thoroughly <laughs> splendid day. And then my normal ones is something like have an absolutely wonderful day or splendid day or something again, just just to differentiate myself. Final awkward scenario. What happens if somebody puts a kiss at the end of an email? How do you deal with that? Oh, I've I've actually done this where I've done uh, uh, in text messages. I've done it to like guys by accident, and I'm like. And, but you just they just find it funny. I, I don't know, I just I can make a joke out of that. If I've done it accidentally or if someone else is, I think I might be confused for a while, but I think eventually it'll be it'll be funny. I wanted to talk about Slack because it's it's kind of a new angle to the whole email thing. It's faster in a way, it's bitchier. You know, is it completely destroying our productivity, Martin? I don't think email's going away fast. I, you know, it's interesting. I see people coming into the office that are new into the workplace, out of university, and they soon fall into the email culture. But no, instant messaging's definitely got a place in the workplace, without a doubt. I've used Slack before, and uh, it's yeah, it has its place. And then for the, there's particular clients that I uh, want to keep sort of closer, if that makes sense, uh, and, and and being able to just message them very quickly helps. Uh, it does. It does create a closer relationship because mm. you, you start talking to them about all sorts of things, yeah. and I'm naturally kind of gregarious anyway. So, I I find that sometimes in Slack it's very easy to kind of fall into the kind of workplace conversation that you shouldn't really be having anywhere other than you know hiding away in the loose. 
Well, that, surely that's going to happen on a Friday after <laughs> beers anyway. It's just probably shouldn't happen on a Tuesday. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I just, I, I worry sometimes that people are going to let their guard down because I think it logs most messages. That's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or a good thing if someone gets caught for doing something really bad. I don't know. I mean, Martin, what, what's your view on kind of tracking employees' conversations? Uh, tracking employees' conversations? Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, I, I know all the, all the conversations on instant messages are tracked. Um, I wouldn't be overly comfortable with that. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I wouldn't be happy with that at all. I want to end up with one question, and that is, what is the worst email screw-up you've come across? Should we start with you, John? Yeah, I can... I could probably one of my probably one of my own. Uh, nice. That's own up where you've got obviously a uh, there's a template for emails, especially if sending in a lot of them. And if you don't set it up pre- correctly, because there's a code for like names, it puts their first name in, and I did it wrong, so I sent a good few hundred emails that said greetings name. <laughs> <laughs> that's a classic. And I don't think many of them were called name. So. <laughs> and what about you, Martin? Um, oh, goes, oh, gosh, yeah. It goes back a few years now um, when I was working in one of the investment banks in London. There was a, there was a document flying around between people, in fact, between the board of directors, um, about why we should sack this particular director, what are the reasons we're going to give. And it's all on a Word document, which was using something called tracking changes, so you could see all the comments that all the directors had put on there, none of which were favourable. Oh, God. So, of course, this Word document got sent out to all the staff with all the comments from all the directors. Um, and, yeah, it was printed off and kept and circulated. Oh uh, despite God. the company trying to switch off the, the email server. <laughs> way, way too late. People were much too fast. So, yeah, that was horrific. Oh, my God. That brings... Well, I was going to say that, you know, we regularly get emails that have been copied in to every single journalist in the country. And they are, you know, they're not BCC. But that is another level. Mm. Some some really big corporates have fallen victim to exactly that. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much. I feel like a more productive person. With thanks to Martin Perry, and you can check out his courses at tamingyourx.co.uk, and John Bookham. And if you want to see more of his fun emails or indeed the fun responses, check out his Facebook group, which is called Charm Offensive Group. Also thanks to podcast producer Jamie Wareham. This has been City AM's Unregulated Podcast. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen and rate us there too. It all helps keep the show alive. And email advertising at audioboom.com to find out how you can put your brand right here. And to this week's Twitter conversation, email me, no, don't email me, tweet me at Emma Hazlitt, that's with two Ts, with your best and worst email screenshots and I will send mine out too. Can they top John's? See you next week. City AM Unregulated is an audio boom production. Mm-hmm.